Well, good morning and welcome to Maranatha. We're glad you are here with us, whether you're a, a longtime attender or first-time visitor. Uh, my name is Pastor Aaron. I run the children's ministry here, um, and we are excited to be worshiping our great God together. Uh, we have a few announcements that we want to let you know about. First off is that our Braveheart ladies will be playing pickleball. Uh, that'll be happening on the 23rd in the Gathering Place, and you can talk to Patty Smith uh, the lovely lady who is playing the keyboard, uh, if you need more information, my understanding is paddles will be provided, so all you have to do is bring yourself, uh, and I'm sure our ladies will have a good time with that. Uh, next, next week, don't forget to set your clocks. We might have had someone this morning do that today. And show up before all of the pastors. So next week, don't forget to spring ahead. Um, also, uh, uh, Mary Holmes will be leading a new Bible study. Uh, that'll be happening on the 14th, and you can uh, talk to Mary. Or there, and there's a sign-up sheet at the welcome desk for that. So uh, ladies, if you're interested in that, um, they meet Tuesday mornings. Correct, Mary? Tuesday mornings. And um, there's a sign-up sheet for that. Um, every week we try to celebrate something, and the uh, Chiminga family, who was with us uh, over the holidays uh, today, I believe, should be arriving uh, safely uh, to their mission field. So uh, we'll, we look forward to hearing from them uh, on a monthly basis, and we'll keep you guys updated as we can as we get information. Uh, lastly, um, you might notice I'm a little dressed down today. Um, I have the privilege of serving on the Pregnancy Help Center board here in town, uh, along with some great men and women, and uh, there's some needs at the Pregnancy Help Center. Uh, their their um, mission statement is help, providing help, hope, and healing for families, not just uh, women, not just for babies, but for families. And uh, two things that you can assist with is on the, on the 17th and 8th week, 18th is uh, the Pregnancy Help Center Banquet, and uh, when I talked with Danielle, the CEO, on Monday, they were still looking for some table hosts for the 18th. So if you're interested in table hosting, all that entails is bringing your friends to a banquet. That's pretty much it. You just host the table, you fill your table, and you enjoy some great dinner, hear from a great speaker, and enjoy a night together. Uh, secondly is a bigger ask. We are looking for house parents for the LifeSpring home. Um, and I can get you more information about what that entails. They're looking at several different models in the past. It's been um, people living at the house for uh, two or three years at a time, but now they're changing up the model to where it would be uh, two nights, um, maybe once a week, whatever, basically whatever you can give. Um, we're looking for couples, but also for uh, um, women who are interested in that. It would be staying at the house for about 48 hours straight and then having about a week home. And there, there's different schedules available for that. So you can talk to me. You can talk to, uh, I know Aaron Herringer really loves having attention brought to her. Aaron, can you raise your hand? You can talk to Aaron about that as well. And we'll uh, connect you with the, with the Pregnancy Help Center uh, if you are interested in that. Now I invite Pastor Cody to come share the word with us. Thank you, Pastor Aaron. Well, good morning, everyone. I am excited about, in fact, I'm <clears throat> expectantly excited about today. And I need to begin by even saying that I'm, I'm, I'm going to do my best to not get emotional, but it's okay to be emotional, right? My problem is when I get emotional, some tears show up, but then I get choked up. And if you were here last Sunday, like when we prayed, I was getting, I was crying, and then my throat gets all messed up, so it's hard to preach when you're choked up. I got some water over there. 
I am excited about this morning. This morning we're going to cover a hard topic, but it's going to be so good. So good. It's good to plan out your future, right? Every day you should take a moment before things begin and kind of map out, what am I doing? So you don't look at your phone or your calendar and go, oh, I got to make sure I get this done. Every week you should plan out the week. And every month plan out. I remember when I was in seminary, I made it through college somehow without a day planner. And when I went to grad school the second year, my professor, John Nyquist, just kind of would sit, he'd call me in his office, he tapped his desk, Cody, where's your day planner? I'm like, I don't need a day planner. Cody, where's your day planner? And he said, go get a day planner and then we'll talk. I'm like, what? So I went and got this Benjamin. Ever had one of those Benjamin day planners back in the day? He had some of those things. And I remember getting that and I said, okay, I got this nerdy day planner. He said this, if you fail the plan, plan to fail. He said, write that down in the front page of your day planner. If you fail the plan stuff out, if, yeah, if you fail the plan out your day, guess what? Plan to fail. Cody, you've been late to a couple of our meetings. You've missed a couple. Well, that's okay, right? No, it's not. And he just drilled it in me. It's important to take time and plan things out. In fact, I have been planning out my sabbatical. If you recall, Pastor Tony did a sabbatical a few years ago. He took time and planned his out. I'm taking time to plan out my sabbatical. In fact, for the past two years, I've been working on that. And we even have, did some of you pick this up here. This is a little handout. It's, it's at the, the table there if you want to. Pastor Cody's summary proposal for the Clergy Renewal Program Grant. What's caused me to really spend more time than maybe I would planning this out is I am applying for a grant for a fully funded sabbatical. That would be amazing. What a blessing it would be to have everything paid for for a three-month sabbatical. And this page here describes just a summary of what that is like. And I've been Plan this out, because I can't. It's due coming up here very soon. I couldn't just be the next, the day before it's due, go, oh, what do I need to do? Here's what I want to do. I plan on going to the Rocky Mountain National Park, doing some rock climbing, fly fishing, good enough, and send it in. No, they'd be like, ah, this is not mapped out like we want. In fact, there's 25 different parts I have to fill out for this grant. It's fully funded. In fact, the last part is if you want to send like some video about your church or whatever, go ahead and do that and connect to the web. And I don't know what else says. I told Stacey, well, that's easy. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do just a short little video here, just us waving. So here's what I want you to do. I'm going to do it. How do I do this here? This, yeah, this is, might take an hour. All right. All I'm going to do is to the clergy renewal program, we at Maranatha say hi. That will be, so all you guys got to do is wave. Are you fine with that? If you don't want to be seen in the video, just go behind the person ahead of you. All right, so let me try this here. I'm going to do it twice because I'm going to mess up. All right. To the clergy renewal program, we at Maranatha say hi. Wow. Should I do it twice, Stacy, just in case? I'll do it twice because our first one probably didn't work. All right, here we go. To the clergy renewal program, we at Maranatha say hi. Hi. You guys are great. Get rid of this thing here, man. All right. 
Yeah, I gotta, I gotta plan this out. And again, we as a church have been working on this. I've been working on this for two years, thinking about what we should do. But sometimes it's hard to plan when you don't know what the future holds. How much will it cost for me to go to Hawaii today? Might be different in two years, right? The goal is not to do it this summer, but next summer. I don't know. Today we're going to look at Mark chapter 13. And here Jesus has already predicted. He's already planted seeds in the disciples' minds going, guess what? Something is about to happen. My death is coming. And if you recall, some of you are like, no, 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 no. You can't say that. In fact, Jesus rebuked Peter when Peter tried to fight against it. And he has given instruction and directive about what is about to happen soon and in the future. And today we're going to look at this passage and get more. So let's begin with prayer because it's always good because this is not just a book, it's the book, right? This is divine and we're about to engage with God in a beautiful way. So let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for this day and again, I'm eagerly excited about this morning. Even though at times my brain has been exhausted as I went through this passage, it can be overwhelming. And to do this in one sermon, I just feel inadequate. But we ask, Holy Spirit, that you just move in our hearts and work as we engage in your word. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, in Mark chapter 13, Jesus kind of lays out what the future is going to look like. Not only for himself, but also for the disciples. He's kind of like giving spiritual advance directives. He's kind of saying, guess what? In the future, something's going to happen, so I'm going to give you some directives, some commands, some topics to think about here. Advance directives are statements regarding the wishes and plans that you have in case something happens to you. In fact, I've hit in that age where the hospital will call me or someone call me, I forget, some organization, hey, you're old enough now, it would be great to do some advanced directives. I'm like, I'm not that old, oh, I probably should get this done. Here, in advanced directives, you kind of map out, just in case, what happens if you would pass away unexpectedly for your family. Here he maps out what the future holds. Mark chapter 13, we call it the Olivet Discourse because he's sitting on the Mount of Olives with his disciples, we'll read this in a moment, and he has a discourse with them. It's the longest discourse he has here in this gospel. And this one is the hardest passages of all the gospels. In fact, if you ask any Bible scholar what's the hardest section in the gospels, they'll probably point to this here. They're like, yep, the Olivet Discourse, it's a tough one. Let me give you a few reasons why it's hard. Number one would be this. Which historical events are we able to line up with this passage? Jesus says, guess what? In the future, something's going to happen. And, okay, what does that mean? And we now on this side can go, okay, well, Jerusalem fell in 70 AD. Okay, that's probably this part. But what about the other things here? What parts of history can we line up with this passage? Or are we to do that? Number two, we get a bit eager when we talk about biblical prophecy and the end times, right? 
And we've seen that even in our culture. In my, just even as I'm, I'm 53 years old, in the time period that I've lived, I've already seen the, the church in America get excited about this and sometimes go a little bit too much, I would say, on it. When I was a little boy, there was the Thief of the Night movies. Anybody see those? Right? Some of you giggled about that, all right? Yeah, Thief of the Night. Like, I remember going, I'm scared to death. We get eager. We want to know where and when. And then, oh, oh, man, maybe it's about 15, 20 years ago, the, um, the Left Behind series were put out. We want to know when. We want to know the exact details. And this chapter's full of some stuff. Too many, what I call, newspaper clippers. They see an event, they go, oh, they get the National Enquirer. Well, I mean, okay, right? Look at this event. This lines up with this passage. There was an earthquake. Oh, my, there's a rumor of a war. That's what, that lines up here. Too many newspaper clippers that are out there today. They like to count the number of earthquakes. This must be the return of Christ. Third, also there's a few statements that are very cumbersome they're very there's some statements in this passage where you just go uh what's happening here i'll just say what they are we're going to read this here in a moment here but verse 14 when you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it does not belong whoa what old testament passage what's going on here do we got to look and read revelation daniel what's going on or look at verse 30 Truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Uh, that generation is long gone. And right before that, he talks about the son of glory coming. What's going on? So it's hard. The time reference. Is this a postponement? Is there a delay? What, what, what's happening here? So let's do this. Let's read this full passage. So I'm going to read through this here, and I want you to listen, and what we're going to do is we're going to talk about three things this morning. Time, signs, but also commands, okay? So here we go. Get ready, Mark chapter 13. As he was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone will be here, will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, opposite of the temple, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, when will these things happen, and what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled. Jesus said to them, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming that I am he and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. You must be on your guard. You'll be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before the governors and kings and witness as a witness to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. 
Whenever you are arrested and brought into trial, don't worry beforehand about what you are to say. Just say whatever is given you at that time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death, and father his child. Children rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you see the abomination that causes desolation, standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judah, Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down to enter the house or take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray this does not take place in winter because those will be days of distress, unequal from the beginning when God created the world until now, and never to be equal again. If the Lord had not cut short these days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and miracles to deceive the elect, if that were possible. So be on your guard. I've told you everything ahead of time. But in those days following the distress, the sun will be dark and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as this twig is te- gets tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. No one knows about that day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each one with his assigned task, and tells one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether it's in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find, him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. All right. This is a tough passage. So let me just say something on the side here. What do we do when you get upon a passage that maybe seems not straightforward and it's a little hard? Let, Let me just say a couple things here. What should you do with a hard passage? Read, study, and learn. The reason I'm saying this is because for the past couple years to... uh. I'm not going to point out names or anything, but to my embarrassment, I've heard people at Maranatha that have been around the church a long time mishandle Scripture. At times, I'm like, that person's been a Christian for a long time. How do they not know how to handle Scripture? So let me just say these things. Read. Read it 
often within its context and the whole counsel of God's word. So many times people like to take one little verse out of context and go, aha, I found some kind of golden special nugget that no one saw before, and they pull it out of context, and they don't read the full context. It's important to read it often and read its context. That's what I did with this passage. I've read it even like a month before, a month ago, I was like, "Uh uh-oh, chapter 13's coming up. I better read it often. Read it in its context. Context is everything. Or as the kids are taught by by Pastor Tony, context is everything. King, yeah. Study. Dig into the passage and study. This is important. We dig into it to seek its meaning tied to the historical and cultural and literal context. Let me say that again. We study to seek its meaning tied to the historical, cultural, and literal context because there's different types of genre. There's different types of writing within Scripture. There's poetry. There's narrative. There's apocalyptic. There's hyperbole. And you've got to take that in its historical, cultural, and literal context. We don't create meaning. We seek to find out what God was speaking through that author to that original audience. So study Study deep the word of God. And third, here's one thing that's important. Learn. Here's a passage I went through. In fact, um, I'm grateful that I went to Trinity Evangelical Divinity School where I, had to, I didn't like the Hebrew part, but we, we, were, we were taught Greek and Hebrew. Right now, Pastor Aaron's learning Greek, and sometimes I can seem like, ugh. When I was translating parts of this, I studied deep, and I just realized, man, this is hard. I can't do this on my own. So I was able to go to my office, which the little kids call the library. It's full of books. And I read many, many commentaries. And I looked at church history. How did church history understand? How can I make sure I don't get into heresy? How to avoid that? So I learned from church history and trusted teachers. All right, let's go to this passage here. One through four. Jesus is with his disciples. Remember the last chapter and even before that he's been in confrontation with spiritual leaders, not just the Pharisees, which we've seen often, but also the Sadducees. He's been in the temple doing some teaching. Now he leaves the temple and they're up on this mountain and they look down at Jerusalem and they look and go, whoa, look at how beautiful the temple is. Maybe the sun was setting, so the sun was going, you know, like look at these massive stones. Did a little research, each of the pillars weighed at least a million pounds. Massive and beautiful. Then Jesus prophesied that the temple someday would be destroyed. How can you knock over a million pound pillar? Well, it's because the temple's become a symbol of empty religion without God. Emptiness and not a relationship as we've seen in the last two chapters. Look at verse 4. Here it is. Tell us when these things will happen. And what will the sign be that they are all about to be fulfilled? So they ask two questions. When's it going to happen? And show us the sign. Their straightforward question to that, Jesus does not give a precise date. Even though I've got two books in my office that give a precise date, that they're in my cult section. 
But instead, he gives a prophetic picture of what is to come, including some of the events that would happen. So in my study, so take a look at this. I took a picture of it here. Maybe it's on the screen I sent to you. Yeah, so what I did is I circled when. I put that in red. And then, and it was a pencil because I like pencils. You know me. And then green are the signs. And I went through and underlined each of the times. It was specifically a time period, when, and also signs. So when I got through this, I was like, Wow! There's a lot going on here. This is not that easy. So instead of showing you that, take a look at the next slide here. What I did is I've typed up for you what I found already just time. When. And these are the verses correlating to the words. Many will come when you hear and still to come. At that time, will rise again. That's the time period. Are at the beginning. Verse 10. The gospel must first, whenever arrested, when you see, in those days, at the time, in those days, that time, it is near, until all these things will pass that day, that time will come. So throughout this passage, there's, what I've got, I've got 17 there, time markers that, honestly, in church history, people love to line up a newspaper and go, oh, here's the time period. But Jesus, we'll see here, says, don't do that. So we got a lot of when. But also look at the signs. And, and there's, I think there's even a couple more signs, but these are the most prominent ones I saw. There's, I've got 19 up here. Deceive many. Wars and rumors. Nation against nation. Earthquakes, famines, flog. Stand before government. Betrayed. Children rebel. Put to death. Hate abomination, false prophets, perform signs and wonders that distress, sun darken, moon, stars, heavenly bodies, son of man coming, that's going to be a sign. See these things will pass away. Now when I look at this list, there's a part of me, because remember the reason why this is hard, there's a part, the second reason I talk about is we like to try to figure things out. And already I'm going, oh, I've seen some of these things happen, Right? Oh, and these time periods, oh, I'm sure it's got to be then. Truly, this is a great passage of future events. But what is he talking about? What, what, what is this all going to happen? Has part of it happened? Something happened? Is this, you know, there's... So what I've done is I've given you the three main ways that people interpret or understand this passage. So take a look at these three things here. Number one. The first part of the prophecy, verses 5 through 23, deals only with the destruction of Jerusalem. And the last part, 24 to the end, deal with the return of Christ. So that first one, I've got one of my favorite professors who holds that view. He's one of the most prominent evangelical theologians out there today. That's his view. Next one. All of chapter 13 deals only with the prediction of the destruction of Jerusalem, nothing about the return of Christ. That's another view that's held. In fact, one of our, the family friends who's a professor at a covenant university, he holds that view. He's a friend of the family, and I highly respect most of his writings. Or here's a third view. All of chapter 13 describes both the destruction of Jerusalem and the last days before Christ returns and his coming in glory. And again, one of my favorite professors ever at the school I went to holds view number three. 
So what do we do with this? I personally believe number three is the best option, which is like many of the Old Testament prophecies that carry what we call double fulfillment. This is going to happen soon, but also in the future at the return of Christ, this will happen. So here's what I wrote. Jesus was predicting the destruction of Jerusalem and talking about the future events connected with the last days and his second coming. The coming destruction of Jerusalem and the temple, which happened only a few years later when the Roman Empire went in AD 70 and destroyed so much of it, that was foreshadowed by a future destruction of the world just before Christ returns. Much of this cannot be restricted only to the destruction of Jerusalem. So it's kind of like this. Let me give you an example. Here is a picture. This is in my office. I got to find, I got too many books so I can't hang it up. There's no room on my wall space. Here is a picture of just a section of the Pacific Northwest. Anybody ever go to Washington State? Anybody view just mountains, every ocean? Oh. This is a grand picture. In fact, this here is the U.S. This part's Canada. This, look at all this mountain range and all down, right over here, Seattle, here's where we lived. It's beautiful. Mountains everywhere. This is kind of like Mark chapter 13. Jesus says, guess what? There's a lot that's going to happen. And when you're far away, you look at this, okay, okay, this seems like it's going to happen. Pretty, okay, these seem pretty close together, right? They're not. Where's my other photo? Here we go. Okay. We lived across Puget Sound when we were in Washington State. So here is Seattle, and across Puget Sound is where we live, the Olympic Peninsula. This little piece right here is Olympic Peninsula. So our house was like, I was trying to determine where our house was. It was back here. But that was our backyard view. Can you imagine? Well, the trees were too high. We couldn't see all this. Who would like to live there, right? All right, we're going to take a trip. Okay. This hangs up in our hallway to remind me to continue to pray for the church that I was at in Washington. In fact, their pastor left and they're looking for a new pastor. I won't go, I won't go, okay. Um, but this looks pretty, a little bit closer than all of this. In fact, this here is just this little stretch right here. I've climbed some of these mountain peaks, Mount Eleanor, Mount Washington here. In fact, you've got the brothers, which are right uh, here. Where are the brothers? The, the, the brothers, the two brothers. They look like you could get up there, go to the next one. But in reality, it might take you eight hours from one summit to get to the next. Honestly, it would take you a full day if you're just an average hiker. The problem is we sometimes want to go, okay, you mapped it out for us, Jesus. Here's all the details, all the picture, and they seem really close to each other, but we don't realize that there's a huge gap of time and space between them. From a distance, they look like one section. The two brothers, easy to climb. No, it's not. You have to be roped up and there's snow on there. You better make sure you know what you're doing. But when you actually are standing on just one mountain peak... To get to the next one, which at first seemed like, okay, that's right around the corner. Oh, guess what? We're spending the night here to get to that. There's more time. The whole chapter is not just about the destruction of Jerusalem, but parts of the chapter also fulfilled far away, take some time, 
for all the painful experiences that are coming up, the end times will happen. In fact, if you want to know more about this, and I've struggled through this passage going, what am I going to do here? Instead of going through all the details, did you, anybody pick up this handout here? It's the stapled one. What I've done is I've taken my father-in-law's study notes, and when he taught through the, the Gospel of Mark, it was, I think, seven or nine pages. I've boiled it down to only four pages for you. If you want to get deeper into this passage and know more, here's more detail for you, which we can't cover this morning. It's a tool for you. So if you want to know more information on this chapter, there's an outline for you. Let's get back to what Jesus said. They want to know what time. How many of you would like to know when Jesus is coming back? Oh, I would like to know. May it be quickly, right? They want to know the time. And he says, guess what? You're not going to know the exact date. You're not going to know that time. Jesus says many of these signs are not the signs of the last day. Look at verse 7. But the end is still to come. These are just the beginning of birth pains. And in this passage, he warns them about having end-time hysteria. Let's write a book and just get all ready because he's coming tomorrow because it says in the newspaper, this happened. There are a lot of questions and abounding interpretations. And really, we're not, trying to, we're not called to figure out what day Jesus is actually coming back. History is filled with vain predictions. He gives some answers to their questions they ask but notice and this is what I realized I went through this again I realized whoa 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 wait a second he just just doesn't give us the times when or the signs take a look at my next sheet that I've got here that I worked on so I printed the sheet off and I went through this and I realized he's also giving commands yes The end times will come, and much of it will not be easy. There will be suffering. The main discourse in this passage is mainly constructed around not time events, not signs, but commands to the disciples. When I realized, I was like, oh, wait, what? So take a look at this next slide here. What the disciples and what we Our necessary response to this is not to get a book out and clip newspapers and line them up with these events today. Our main goal, our necessary response is to endure in the midst of persecution when these things happen. So take a look at these words. In fact, when I went through this, their commands... So the verbs stand out. It's like, whoa, these are all commands. I've counted 17. 17 commands. Some of them are this. Watch out. Do not worry. Do not believe it. Be on guard. Do not be alarmed. Stand firm. Keep watch. Be alert. Be on your guard. Understand. Learn. Keep watch. When I read through this a couple of times, I realized, you know, yeah, there's times, there's signs, it's great. I can kind of map those out and how I understand things to be in the future. But really, this whole discourse, Jesus is going, yeah, here's these things, but I'm going to give you commands. He just doesn't give one, but 17. These verbs are like spiritual advanced directives. Commands. 
that we are to have at the end of our life and at the end of times. In fact, it's interesting, the most frequent word in here is this Greek word, um, it's, it's blapo. In fact, when I was memorizing Greek, where's Pastor Aaron? Memorize this one, blapo, I'd go blap, blap, blap with my eyes. That's to look, to watch, blapo. Did all these weird things to memorize words. And uh, blapo, blap, 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 um, to look, to watch. It shows up four times, and um, it says to watch, to see, to keep watch, to be aware. In fact, I love how it all ends. Jesus gives all this stuff. Look at the last verse. He doesn't say, what I say to you, scare one another with the end times. Okay. Make some cool movies about it because you'd probably make some money. Write some cool books about it. What I say to you, I say to everyone, don't get all scared, don't write books, don't, what's this thing? Watch, blepo, or I like one translation says, stay awake. I thought about doing that to some of you that like to fall asleep during my sermon. Stay awake, this sermon's for you. It means more than I, our understanding of just to see and watch. Again, when I try to memorize this word, blapo, blap, blap with my eyes, to watch, to watch. Every time I see blapo, it means to watch. It's more than just to watch the way we understand it would be to watch. Or as in this context, keep looking for the signs and figure it all out. Here the Greek word has two aspects, and I encourage you, get this book. Don't take the English understanding of the word watch to watch to see and apply it to the biblical understanding of what that Greek word means. Get this book. I've said this many times. I'll leave this up here on your way. I'll take a picture of it. Dictionary of Old Testament, New Testament words. Here the Greek word has two aspects. We should be aware and careful. Be on your guard, paying attention, having vigilance. In the last days, and be faithful under pressure. That's what this word is meaning. It doesn't mean just watch, but guess what? Be alert, be careful, be faithful under pressure, because suffering is coming. Some of the things we read in there, we're just like, wow, this is gonna be bad. Therefore, be alert, be watchful, be on your guard. Number two, another aspect of this word, we should have expectant hope. I can't wait for this to happen, and I am ready, right? You get that? That's how I was the morning I was about to get married. I was ready. I didn't sleep in that day. I wasn't like, they'll wait for me. I was the first one up. I'm getting married today. It's going to happen. I think, I think it was at 1 o'clock. I'm not sure what, I should know that time. But I was like, hey, it's coming at 1 o'clock. I was eager. I was ready. I even took a shower. Amazing. We should have expectant hope. I can't wait for it to happen. Therefore, be ready for it to come. Amen? And many of the other verbs give support to this main verb. Be alert gives watchfulness to mindset. Be on guard as to be 
consistently ready for anything to happen. Do not be deceived when pretenders come and give a false sense of security. Here's what one of the commentaries say this. Mark cautions his readers that the community is to find its authentic eschatological dimension. So that's the end time thoughts. Not, uh, not in apocalyptic fervor, like, oh, it's coming, all that what we think of, but in obedience to Jesus' call, to cross-bearing, to evangelism, in the confidence that this is the will of God, which must be fulfilled until Jesus comes again. Amen? So guess what? The end's coming. Mark chapter 13 lays a bunch of stuff out from a big picture view. I'm not sure how close and how long it takes from there to there. What sign is this sign in the time periods? There's a lot of them there. There's 17 indicators of times and 19 of signs. It's a little overwhelming. But ultimately there's these commands that tie it all together. 17 commands to be faithful to God. Don't give up. Keep your eye on the prize, right? We are to be watchful, to be alert, not fearful, because we know he's sovereign in it all. We are to persevere knowing Jesus will come. The standard view is this, especially this one verse. All this will happen, you know, in your generation. Wow, it's been a lot. I thought about mapping that, how many generations that is, I think, to the Jewish person. It was 40 years as one generation. How many gen- Wow, that's been a long time, people. Has Jesus come back for a second coming? No, not yet. Is Jesus coming soon? Absolutely. It may be in my time period or it may not be, but I will be expectantly waiting for him to come, making sure my heart is right, my eyes are right, I'm lined up with him. It's been a long time. But there's one word we can use to remind each other of it. Take your Bibles and go to, in closing here, 1 Corinthians 16. 1 Corinthians 16. Final greetings at the end. First Corinthians 16. When it comes to the end times, I'm not an end time specialist. In fact, when I go through the Bible, there's certain areas I love talking about. The cross, Jesus, that's what Cody talks about. I love uh, different aspects of things. Last, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Aaron said Genesis is his favorite book. For me, in the Old Testament, Exodus would be my favorite book. Maybe Deuteronomy. When it comes to end time stuff, I love it. It's great. I'm, I'm not well-versed in every, all the different views and stuff. But I'm well-versed in this one right here. And so are you. One simple word we can use to remind ourselves what this is about. Look at verse 21. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. 1 Corinthians 16, 22. If anyone who does not love the Lord, a curse be on him. And then... In Aramaic is one word here. Come, O Lord. What do your little Bible, what do your Bible say at the bottom there? What is that word? 
Maranatha. Once in a while, I, I think sometimes, especially when I talk to people, I give them my email address or whatever, and they go, Mara, what, what, uh, Mara, what, what? Or as a little kid at Awana one time messed it up a little bit, he combined Awana and Maranatha together. I go to Marijuana. <laughs> okay. It is an old word. And I'm not about changing our church name because guess what? We've been around here long enough. Everyone knows the name Maranatha. Oh, but do you know what it means? Come, Lord. Amen? Oh, the signs are there. It's all, I don't understand how it works out and how much time's between each of the signs and time periods. I don't get that. No, that's okay. I'm not supposed to figure that stuff out. But I am in 17 commands. I gotta be ready, be watchful, be on guard. And listen, right? Because Maranatha, he's coming back. Let me end in this little side note. and We're gonna take some time and pray. Good, we got time to pray. Spiritual advance directives from our church. I think I even have that as the phrase up there. After Easter, Pastor Tony and I would love to, we're going to figure out when this will be, will probably be a Sunday, right after church service, we'll provide a bunch of pizzas or whatever. We would love to sit with some of you that have maybe not thought through advanced directives. But more importantly, spiritual advance directives. I recently did a funeral for someone. He was a former principal at Prairie Farm. He was a math teacher. He, I, I saw his handwritten page that he wrote years before he passed away. Pages of, I want this song sung. I want this verse read. I want, and he just mapped it out. And it was so easy for the family. They're like, that's my dad. He mapped it all out for us. And to be honest, I've done some funerals where the family is clueless what their loved one wanted. So we, as a church, as I said, after Easter sometime, we're going to provide for you guys kind of like a class, a handout, so you can start working on mapping out some of that stuff for your loved ones. The end is near, amen? I don't know when, but he's coming. In fact, this is what I want to do. How many were here last Sunday? Raise your hand. Okay, there's a handful of you. And we took time and prayed for what's happening in America, right? Do you know it's still happening? Now at secular universities, revival's breaking out. For real. So what I want to do is I want to take time and pray. Could I get a microphone? Pastor Aaron, I'm going to grab your microphone here. I think it's important that we as a church continue to pray for what's happening in America. And I've saved, already I'm choking up. I saved this to the end so I wouldn't cough through my whole sermon. I want to pray at the end because things are happening. I, yesterday I went to see the movie Jesus Revolution and I did not expect this but I cried through most of the movie. Knowing that when the church gets it right, people see Jesus in an authentic way, right? And I want to be that church. I don't want to be a leader that disregards people because they're not like us. 
or they don't smell like us or look like us or get distracted by other things in this world. I want to just be about Jesus, amen? Let's, who wants to be like that, right? So what I want to do is I want to pray. Donnie Schubel, you want to come up and pray with me? Pastor Aaron, you come up and pray with me. The three of us are going to lead you in prayer. We're going to pray for what's happening in our world. We want to pray for what the Lord is doing in America. If you you haven't seen the movie, go see the movie. Hopefully we'll get you excited about Jesus, and that's what we want. So would you take some, if we lose time in our donuts, it's well worth it, right? So let's right now, let's intercede on behalf of our country and this upcoming generation. Father God, thank you for your continuing work uh, around the world. Uh, so often we think that we have to, we have to go places and uh, do different things and go on short-term missions or long-term missions to glorify you, but I'm so glad that these revivals are happening on campuses where the students are, where, where people have not heard your name um, and I, I think also of here we have colleges with uh, we have a college here in town that has students from around the world that have never heard the good news of Jesus Christ. And I pray for uh, Asher here specifically as he leads the crew ministry there that that you would empower him, you would encourage him to lead that ministry well, that he would remain faithful as he has been to your word and to your truth and his love for you. Lord, I pray these things through your son, Jesus. James, John, and and Andrew came to you, Lord, and and they asked. And we all wonder at times, Lord. From today, what I've learned is to read, study, and learn. And I thank you for uh, Cody's message today. May it press upon our hearts. I thank all those online today that are watching us. I pray, Lord, that you'll you bring those people here with us. Mm. Open our hearts, Lord. We, we never know when you're coming, but let us be ready. Let us be the stone that sets the, the foundation through generations. Mm. And I, ju- I just thank you, Lord, for, for coding his message today. And I hope, Lord, and I pray that it, it, it resounds in all of our hearts. Mm. I pray all these things. Thank you. Father God, we come before you and we thank you for what you have done throughout many generations. Every generation, you're bringing the church to its knees. You're causing them to repent and to reach out. And we see that what happened in California in the late 60s and 70s, and we're seeing it now. I saw it personally in 95, I saw it in my high school. And God, we ask that you continue to reach this generation. I do. I pray for this campus. One of the professors asked me to show up to their Bible study because there's a lot of students asking questions about the Bible who don't know the Bible. God, I pray that out of that, many would come to know you, Jesus. God, forgive us because we can be the church that's kind of fuddy-duddy. We can kind of be like, oh, we don't want those people at our church. They don't dress like us. Lord, we ask that you protect our children. 
this is another wicked generation. There are so many things out there that our children deal with that we never had to deal with. But by your Spirit, strengthen them. May they keep watch. May they not fall asleep. Bring them to you. Help us as parents and grandparents, as was given a couple weeks ago, help us help them be independently dependent on you, Jesus. And we celebrate you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for worshiping with us this morning. My name is Jacob Herringer. I'm the, uh, one of the elders here. Uh, before I uh, dismiss you, I just want to take a moment to pray for... Uh, Pastor Cody and this grant. I know we started the service with that. We're going to end with that as well. Um, one of the things I think it's important for um, Pastor Cody to know is that we as a church support this time away for our pastors. It's so important uh, to hear the stories uh, from Tony when he was on his sabbatical and the things that he was able to do with his family, that time of refreshing and renewal for his marriage. Um, we, we just feel it's so important and uh, we're thankful for the uh, Lilly Grant. Um, that grant, is, it's, it's an amazing uh, opportunity for not only Pastor Cody, but for us as a church. Uh, it will provide funds for us to bring a speaker in. Um, and we have, as an elder board, are prayerfully considering what type of uh, speaker we would want to have come in for that time to uh, inspire us and to help us as a congregation as well during that time. So it'll be a great time of renewal for not only Pastor Cody, but for us as a church and a congregation. And so uh, we just want to take a moment to pray for that before we are uh, dismissed this morning. So join me in prayer, please. So God, we come before you just so grateful and thankful for your many blessings. You provide uh, such amazing things for us. We don't deserve it, but we're thankful for it. And so, uh, God, as we, um, as Pastor Cody fills out this Lily Grant, and he has done so much work in that, and as uh, some of the elders have also helped with um, some certain aspects of that, um, we just pray that as this application goes out, that you uh, bless it, that your hand be upon it, that the, those who will be reviewing it will uh, see it and be inspired to um, accept uh, that application uh, so that uh, Cody can uh, enjoy this time of renewal for him and for his uh, family uh, to do those things that will refresh him and inspire him and change him and convict him and, and bless him. And so, God, we, we just uh, pray for that also for this church body that um, through the ups and downs uh, of uh, just being human and, uh, and, and being with other sinful people, that we all struggle with our own sin, but, God, that this time would also be a time for us to be renewed. And uh, uh, we're so grateful for the opportunity to be able to um, apply for this and uh, perhaps uh, have it granted. So, God, let your hand be upon it. We trust you no matter what happens, uh, that your hand is in this, and so we are grateful for that. Thank you for all you, all you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Thank you.